now I'm in a business where I can make it part of my purpose and not just what I want the company to do. And for us, it's not all about making money. It's about building a best place to work. And that happens to drive into my purpose and it happens to drive into what makes our clients happy, which you'll end up making money if you do all those things along the way. I'm Tracy Lovejoy. And I'm Shannon Lucas. We're the co-CEOs of Catalyst Constellations, which is dedicated to catalyzing innate change makers to accelerate positive change. This is our podcast, Move, Move Fast, fast Break Shit, Burn Out, where we highlight catalysts that are creating amazing change in the world. In this season of the podcast, we're diving deep into the skills that make Catalyst successful. And we have someone here that really has a tremendous story and a lot of skills to share with us. I am delighted to introduce Brandon Powell. He is a father, a technology entrepreneur, a community philanthropist, and he helps transform organizations to be successful in today's digital world. He's the founder and CEO of Hatchworks Technologies, a technology services firm that integrates, that sorry, provides integrated US and near shore, specifically in the Latin American regions, agile software teams in your time zone to build transformative software and data solutions. He's been honored as a 40 under 40 and a small business entrepreneur of the year by the Atlanta Business Chronicle and a two-time winner of the ABA Gold Stevie Award for Technology Entrepreneur of the Year. Brandon is passionate about STEM education and its ability to enable people to create better opportunities for themselves. To support this passion, he started the Hatchworks Futures Program, which I'm hoping we'll hear about today, to empower at-risk youth with hands-on technology training and mentoring, career development, and financial support for ongoing educational opportunities. Thank you for all you do, and thank you for being here with us today, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So we'd love to get started by asking you, how do you relate to the concept of Catalyst? Well, um, to be honest, I had to, I did have to use chat GPT to, to give me, <laughs> give me a little more context. So I was, uh, you know, leadership and Catalyst. And I, I actually, I kind of relate to a lot of that. Um, you know, for me, I think being a Catalyst, which I didn't know what it was called at the time, was really started young for me. Uh, I grew up uh, in you know, with with no father and kind of a single mom being raised, and 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 that caused me to need to survive. And so a lot of the mm-hmm. things and the change I did uh, as it drove as a young young person that I didn't even realize what I was doing. Uh, I think I started my first business at twelve, and it was mowing lawns and taking them from the high school kids that you know undercut them on price and 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 take the <laughs> yards. <laughs> um, but it 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 really as I got older. And I, I spent most of my career in services and, and kind of digital transformation type of work the last 10 years. When I started Hatchworks, I knew I wanted to be more than just about, you know, delivering code and, and launching products, but really wanted to give back. Uh, you know, I was, you know, and I am blessed to have fallen into that technology path. And so with, within my business, when I started it six years ago, I immediately launched Hatch Futures, which is about STEM education and how do I get that next kid without a dad into the career that I've been blessed to have. And, you know, we're, we're down in Colombia, we're in Costa Rica, we're in some low income areas. How do we get those kids into this next high paying, you know, career path? And so I've really tried to tie a purpose into the company. And I, I think a lot of people say we have a purpose as a company, but as you know, for us, I try to make it meaningful that we're not just serving our clients, but we're also serving our communities to make them better as well. There's so much about that that is honestly mouthwatering to me. Uh, first, 
so often the stories that we get to hear is people are either starting a mission-driven nonprofit or they're starting a for-profit and then later on layering in some, you know, give back opportunity within it. I find it incredibly unique to hear that you really had that vision to have a for-profit and embed this element from the get-go. And related to that, like, you know, purpose is the statement of how I see the world better in the future. And there's a lot of ways one can meet a purpose. And typically people are picking one. So the fact that you really are like, here's the purpose I live by and let me begin by institutionalizing and creating two pathways to achieve it. Do you find that unique among your peers and other entrepreneurs that you're engaging with? Yeah, I mean, I think I've seen companies where the founder's purpose and the company's purpose, when those things kind of intertwine with each other, that it's just like this perfect recipe. And so I don't think I covered it earlier, but my my personal purpose, I figured this out in the last three years. Like I couldn't figure out how I love giving back. I love running a company. Uh, now I have a one-year-old daughter. I love spending time with her. I realized that the per personal purpose for my life was to help other people reach their full potential. And if you think about that, that's my daughter, making sure that she grows up and reaches her full potential. That's my employees. So making sure that people are getting promoted, that they're having a lot of opportunity for growth, for personal and career growth. And then that's Hatch Futures. That's helping these kids I don't even know, you know, get into a job that they want. And so once I was able to kind of, and that was, you know, I was three years into Hatchworks when I finally was able to kind of piece together what I saw as like two different parts of my life, it all into one, which was my personal purpose. Uh, and that tied into Hatchworks, you know, wanting to create a brighter future for both our customers and for our communities and doing that through our people, uh, technology and culture. And we've 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 really pushed on that as a company. Uh, and some people are call, call that a double bottom line. That's a kind of a term, a newer term, or some people are using, um, some people go the B Corp route. We haven't chosen to do that. But what we've chosen to do is within our core fabric and within our culture to drive this idea of giving back through Hatch Futures. And we don't mandate it. We don't force it. It's not on their performance rating. But the involvement and the engagement with our team across six different countries and in, in terms of the things that we do to try to give back and they all want to participate, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, and I think for me, it warms my heart because that also ties into my per personal purpose. So I'm getting, a, I'm getting kind of a double win out of this. It's such a powerful North Star that sounds like is really guiding you in all, all the decisions that you're making in your life. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's really powerful. Can I ask, how did you come to identify your purpose? You said that that's pretty recent. <laughs> uh, I'm a transparent person, a lot of therapy and a life coach. Seriously, a life coach. Yeah. Um, this guy out of Denver, he's like wise. He, he would probably wouldn't want me to tell his age. He's, you know, he's in his seventies. And he works with entrepreneurs. Okay. We're a little bit crazy. Let's be really <laughs> honest. We're a little bit crazy, right? We take risk. We, we go out on a limb. We figure shit out when we don't even know what's going to happen. You just wrote a whole book about it, you know, in terms of breaking stuff and figuring it out. And I spent probably two years with him kind of, you know, in monthly calls and, and he considers them, he's, you know, he's a double psychologist guy, but he only deals with entrepreneurs. As he mm -hmm. says it, we're wired a little bit differently than the rest. And he um, basically, I went out and spent a day and a half with him after two years of work. And we're like, look, let's, 
everyone has a vision and a mission for their company, but what is it for you in your life? And if you can get those things lined up together, you every day I wake up, I don't feel like I go to work. This isn't a job. Like I, I love it. I mean, and I, I wake up knowing that if I'm doing something for my daughter, if I'm doing something at Hatchworks or Hatch Futures, that it's, it's something that I want to do because it ties up to my purpose. And I meet a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, man, I just want to make that money and sell this thing. And look, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the, just like any other entrepreneur. I want to grow my business and I want to exit my business, but I want to enjoy that process of doing that. Not, you know, not something that I don't like. And I've had other businesses that I wasn't as passionate about that I got out of. Um, and now I'm in a business where I can make it part of my purpose and not just what I want the company to do. And for us, it's not all about making money. It's about building a best place to work. And that happens to drive into my purpose. And it happens to drive into what makes our clients happy, which you'll end up making money if you do all those things along the way. I, you heard it here. Do the work. Do the self-work. Therapist life coach, gain that clarity, and it makes every day a joy and drives you toward that financial gain. I love it. Thank you, Brandon. All right. You're talking about a lot of skills behind some of the, the conversation we're having. And so I'd love to turn us to, to hit that directly. What are one to two essential skills that you feel have made you successful as a catalyst? And you know, feel free to, to share the stories, the good and the bad associated with that. So I, I would say number one is learning and sl slash adapting to change. To me, those are tied together. Like in order to adapt to change, you have to be willing to learn. And I've made so many mistakes. And you're talking about, you know, the biggest story I would have for you is that I don't speak Spanish yet. I have uh, 150 of our 200 employees are Spanish speaking first in countries that are not in the United States. And so I was able to go into a country like Costa Rica with a lot of help and figure out how to open a business, hire people, run a business in a country where I don't even speak the native language. And then I've gone and done it in in color in sorry in Colombia. And in order to do that, you have to be able to adapt and adapt quickly to the environment, to the culture, to the changes, because the amount of change that you have to deal with when you're going into a second or third world country to run a business that is selling to us has a huge amount of change. Now, I haven't always, you know, that's, that's on the good side. That's what's allowed me to do it. Um, I would say earlier in my career, the inability to adapt was a career hindrance for me um, because I wanted to do it the way I thought I had to be the smartest person in the room thought I had to be, and I was in consulting, I was in strategy at Accenture and, you know, I went to Harvard for business school. So I thought I was great, but I, I was so wrong because if I, you're not open to learning, then you're not going to be successful because everything around you is always changing. And it's, I mean, even today, it's just like one thing after the other just happening around me. And I'm like, how do I adapt to that really, really quickly. And so I think the number one skill that most successful entrepreneurs have is, is that ability to adapt to change slash learning and learning quickly, even when they don't know all the details or the facts. I feel like one of the reasons that, and I've certainly been there feeling like you need to be the, the smartest in the room. I feel like one of the reasons that we adopt that is like, that's going to give us credibility, right? Right. It's, it's a fear, fear-based place. So what did you find once you were willing to drop that? Like you, I'm guessing you had to be afraid of how people would begin to 
experience you if you stopped living in that way. Yeah, and I hate to bring it back to therapy, but uh, so one of the things that was driving that behavior in me was that fear of not being good enough. So I had to win the awards. I had to be the smartest person. I had to all, and this is like in my twenties. I had to be that because I wasn't comfortable with who I was, right? And so when you get underneath that fear of not being good enough, I was able to experience a whole different world because it was like, okay, no, no, I'm like, and, and it's, I've gone kind of the opposite way where I can't soak up enough knowledge. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. And if I'm not the dumbest person, like when I'm in a meeting with my leadership team, for example, then that's a goal that I need to get to because I need to surround myself with people that know a hell of a lot more about different things than I do. You know, when you talk about finance or you talk about strategy. And I think if I would have tried this and I have failed in business, you know, in my twenties, if you have to be the smartest person in the room, then you think you're the best at finance. You're the best at the whatever. And those are businesses that don't scale. I never would have been able to scale without saying, look, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to be comfortable that, you know, I'm trying to build a great company, a great culture. And I want to surround myself with better people that can teach me about things and I can let them do their job. Thank you for the transparency that you're sharing this journey. I think it's so important for people to see successful entrepreneurs talk openly about the reality of what it takes to truly unblock yourself so you can be as successful as possible. Yeah, um, I, I feel. Yeah. One, and one thing to add there, I mean, you guys know mindset and psychology is 90% of running and being successful. I tell people, I'm like, man, I'd trade the business degree for a psychology degree any day because that's essentially what you're dealing. You're dealing with, I'm in the people business, right? I have 200 plus employees and growing and I'm trying to adapt and understand where they're coming from. And, and you know, you guys have got great training out there that helps companies like ours understand their people and how we can work together and how can we can be more cohesive. And I, I think- like I look at it now and I'm like, I just, it's all about psychology and it's all about even in, mm -hmm. you know, even in sales and partnerships and some of these deals, it's all psychology uh, when it comes down to it. And, and I wish that um, it, I, I didn't, I don't think become successful or somewhat successful until I shifted my mindset and, and focused on that instead of the X's and O's that I thought I had to be the best at. Brennan, I'm wondering, so there's something that catalysts often experience because almost by definition, by definition, we're doing things that are net new and it's imposter syndrome, right? Because we've walked into this space that we're like, you feel like a fraud. And I'm wondering, I guess, sort of connected to what you just explained, if that was something that you relate to. And if you have advice for people about how to push through that. Well, that's, I haven't heard that since I was doing a lot of my, uh, some more of my work, but yeah, that's what I, I had imposter syndrome, um, you know, in school, I had to fake it. I didn't belong. Kids came from money and all. And, and I felt like for a long time, I tried to be what people wanted me to be instead of being myself in terms yeah. of like whatever I was doing. And I'm not saying you don't have to be in certain times a chameleon in terms of, but you got to be your authentic, true self if you really want to figure it out, because at the end of the day, you, it's eventually going to catch up with you. 
Uh, and, and, and along with the imposter syndrome, there's the shadow, right? We all have our shadow. Mm -hmm. It's being aware of your shadow and knowing where it is. And I started to tie a lot of those, those pieces together. And look, I make tons of mistakes and, and not perfect in any way, but I think continuing to catch yourself and say, look, I'm going to stay grounded. I don't care how big my business gets. These are the rules of engagement for me, uh, in terms of what I need to do to kind of stay there. And, and, and I, I can I see this today. I mean, I, I recently joined a different entrepreneur organization that's typically bigger businesses, and I have to catch myself. Like, I don't, I don't quite swing at that level, you know. And like, <laughs> but am I going to go fake it, or am I just going to be me? And I'm like, I'm just going to be me. This is who I am. I'm not going to be in there and say my business is three times bigger than it really is because I want to fit in, you know. And 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 I think it's tough. I mean, it's tough. You know, as you get your business gets bigger, you want bigger things. And when you get in those bigger things, sometimes you have a bigger, you know, reason that you want to, you know, be fake. And, and I think being authentic and sticking to it is not, it's not easy. And I, I think anybody who says it's easy, I, I, I just don't think it is. I think we all have natural tendency as, as humans, especially some of us, and depending on how we, we grew up to be the best. And we want to, we always want more and we want more and I think this level of grounding is very important to, to, to deal with. Do you have a tool that when you feel yourself getting pulled into that, that social pressure, frankly, that helps you reground or remember to go back to your authentic self? Yeah, so I, I like to surround myself with other entrepreneurs that are maybe experiencing or know what I'm talking about. Some people can't relate to some of this stuff because it just doesn't, mm -hmm. not because they don't, they're not, they're, they don't know, but just because it's like, they're not, they're not in the same shoes. And so, you know, I think like I'm in EO and there's groups like YPO where you surround yourself with peers that are probably experiencing the same thing and they'll put you in check in a hurry. You know, you come in there, it doesn't matter how big your business is. It doesn't matter how many employees you have. It doesn't matter what your revenue was. And it's all about who you are and they're challenging you. They're like, well, how much time have you spent with your daughter this month? What, you're not gonna talk to me about revenue? <laughs> You want to know about my daughter? So I think you've got to put things like that because if we're left to police it on our own, I think for me at least, it's 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 challenging um, to to just hold myself accountable. I've also I have a CEO coach who is is asking me tough questions. You know, every other week, very tough questions, and they're not all to do about the X's and O's of the business. Uh, you know, how are you doing as a leader? How are you? You know, how are you doing with balance? How, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think for me, that's been a, a big thing is to surround myself with other entrepreneurs, but also know that I, I would like somebody who's been there and done that. And that's why I have a CEO coach. I love it. I love the support and I love the community. Thank you. So learning and adaptability, number one, anything else that you want to throw into the skill pool that <laughs> is important for us? Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound soft, but I still think empathy is a huge deal. And it's because COVID, COVID separated the empathetic leaders from the rest. Uh, and I think that I've tended on that same topic at times to be too empathetic uh, in terms of, you know, that costs us financially as a company. I'm not saying to be financial, we're people focused, but I got so focused on people that I easily could have taken us, you know, under essentially. Um, and so I think empathy and having that line and understanding that your people are not just numbers in any way, no matter how size your, what size your company is, 
they're not just number they're humans and they're you know, they're not resources they're humans and as long as you treat them like humans with feelings and and like this this it hasn't been easy the last couple of years with the working from home and and then you know having to be locked down and and all the other stuff that's happening and so I think empathy, and if you would have asked me that question five years ago, I would not have given you that word, probably. But I've realized that during COVID, empathy became a skill that I had, but one that got elevated uh, in that time. And I realized that, you know, people want a transparent and empathetic leader when there's times of trouble or times of change. And that so that's another one that I would uh, I would bring to the table that I don't know that I realized was important until the last couple of years. And it's so interesting that, you know, you tie it to COVID, but catalysts are often brought in as the agent of change. And so definitionally, we are almost always leading people through moments of change. And so, uh, you know, I love that tie to, it is important for us to be thinking about this, even when there's not a global pandemic or huge disruptions in the system, because we're creating change all the time and you know, thinking about the impact on people and seeing resilience. You mentioned that in your own business that you know, maybe you went too far. How does someone find the balance in empathy and driving toward business outcome? They have a CEO coach that will hold them <laughs> accountable. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I had no yeah. one holding me accountable. Like I, it's my business, I bootstrapped it. I don't have any investors. I don't have a board. And I think that I, I led with what I wanted, which was I didn't want to lay off people or I didn't, you know, I wanted to keep everyone. And I, again, I, I but I didn't have a checks and balances mm -hmm. in that situation. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of ways that companies have that, but there's a lot of companies that are like, you know, it's my company, I can do whatever I want to do. And that I, I nearly drove it. I drove it in a ditch. I got it out of the ditch, but it was, you know, it was close. Right. And yeah. we're, come back stronger than ever and, and scaling and, you know, just had our best year ever and about to have another one, but it was close to losing everything um, because there wasn't enough balance and checks. And, you know, now I do things like um, I'm very transparent with the numbers. So every month, my entire leadership team, knows, go, we go through the entire balance sheet, P&L, everything with the CFO. So I also hired a fractional CFO because I, again, I thought I could do the finance stuff because I know that <laughs> stuff, right? No, like it was beyond my pay grade. And right. I was like, it was like the chicken garden, the roost or whatever. Like, the, you know, it's like, like uh, anyway, it was not a good combination. And so just having a CEO coach and then a fractional CFO, and then, you know, sharing all the numbers with the whole leadership team so that like, they can ask the questions, Hey, Brandon, like that doesn't look right. Like we, we lost money last month. Like, what are we doing about it? And, and I think those things, I, I, it, it just opened up a black box. I was the only one really looking at the numbers besides the accounting company. So that's it. That was fantastic. Right. It's I the, yeah, go yeah ahead, I, I love the transparency is the antidote or the balance, not exactly an antidote, but the balancing thing for the empathy, because it what it speaks to me about is like the shared accountability. We all own these numbers. We own this system and it and it helps them use their empathy skills in the right balance. I love that. With that, I'm going to turn you over to Shannon to continue the conversation. OK. All right. You ready for rapid fire? By the way, this is the first podcast I've had with, it's like two on one. 
<laughs> are you intimidated, Brandon? Oh, it's great. You guys are a great tag team. We're, we're high energy. If, if anything, that's what we bring. All right. One thing that you do to get ready for a big meeting. Well, for a sales meeting, I always look, this is the back to the empathy part. I look at their backgrounds, but not for where they work, but more like where they go to school, what are the clubs that they're in, to look for a common thread that is more personal in, in meeting, right? That's not just about like, hey, man, what, you know, what kind of project can we go do for you? Or, and so I try to look at and do some research on the personal side to figure out what their interests are and those types of things. Uh, and then on an internal meeting, when I have, you know, a couple of times a month, I have the whole company on a call. I try not to, I try to be really authentic and not script out stuff. So what I'll do is I'll say, all right, what are the three or five point, three to five points I want to make in terms of these things? And I'll put like one word for each of those. So instead of like writing out a bunch of points, I'll just put a word. And that word is like the cue for what I want to talk about that. And I'll just kind of let it flow on there. I sometimes I get myself in trouble by not being as structured, but I, for me, it, it's just more natural than getting on and, you know, some BS script type of reading and writing. And I, I don't, I don't see myself changing that no matter how big we get is trying to, trying to be real to them and, and kind of give them the, what, what I would want if I was in their shoes, which is transparency. Give me, tell me what the results are. Give me the, give me the, the truth uh and and keep it real don't give me some bs we've all been you know i know a lot of people that they've been laid off recently by some bullshit script video and then you hear about the stories where the leader was like authentic and got on and spoke from their heart about what's going on and those people are like wow i really enjoyed my time i think the difference yes. between those two those two exits right versus a cold ass email or video you know letting you go i just think it's uh i think it's different I love that you just gave us two really concrete tools. One, how do you exercise empathy strategically? Like that's the looking for the threads and everything you talked about. And then like the tactic for how do I show up authentically? I mean, those are really great concrete tools for things that I think often feel amorphous for some people. So thanks for that. Mm -hmm. All right, we heard a lot about your daughter. So I'm curious, what's a favorite one, just a favorite way to spend a free day? So mainly with her, she's 15, 15 months now. So I'm still, figuring out the father thing, but, uh, you know, she's, she takes the whole day. Um, but you know, I, I also love doing anything outside, um, take her to the park or go for a run or any, anything that's outside, but mainly, mainly spending time with her or not when I have a free day. Those are great years too. All right. Famous, fam favorite, famous catalyst alive or dead and why? So this is, I think this is more recent, but I really love what um, Satya Nadella has done at at Microsoft. I mean, wow! Like the, he made big, big, big bets that others weren't making, and it's going to be. I mean, this what he's done with AI and the, the investments they made and the partners. It's going to be a Harvard case study strategy one hundred and one um, with the work that he did, and I just think the amount of change he drove into that company at Microsoft, who honestly, I think was kind of declining or dying on the vine in a way, completely over the last five years, completely transformed that company. Uh, and I, I'm just to do it at such scale, global scale, uh, is just absolutely incredible. And then obviously to do that 
after a founder like Bill Gates, you know, had had built it. I mean, it's just a pretty incredible story for the catalyst of change that he was able to drive into such a large company. Do you have a do you have a sense, like a very short sense of what what made him successful? What's made him successful this far? So I actually think it's back to the thread we talked about. He seems super authentic and mm. really real with what he's doing and transparent with the people. At least again, I don't I don't work there. I've just seen some of this content on LinkedIn. I've seen I've seen videos of him traveling to offices they have around the world, like in India and stuff like that, and talking with their employees and kind of, you know, I, and I feel like they're huge. I mean, they're a humongous company, but I feel like he's real and he's been authentic. And, and again, I don't know all the details internally, but that's how he portrays himself to me as like super humble. And I know he like grew up through the ranks there. Uh, and so I, anyways, I think it's um, his leadership and his style uh, have been, I mean, are something to really watch in his level of humbleness. Totally agree. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So do you have a final call of action for our listeners? I think the biggest thing is just opening your mind to be able to learn and adapt to change. And, and while in today's world with the pace of technology change and, you know, cultural change and all the things happening that, um, that's probably the most important thing if you're if you're going to be successful in running a business or running an organization is that ability to quickly learn and adapt to that change and and um, that yeah I think that's the number one thing that's gotten me uh, to where I am is is being able to do that. Thanks for that and thanks for modeling that. Sure. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to accelerate positive change, go to our website at catalystconstellations.com. And be sure to check out our book, Move Fast, Break Ship, Burnout. If you have other catalysts in your life, hit the share button and send a link your way. Thanks, Brandon.